I mean, RJ at 21, at 20 years old, RJ put up 17, five and three shot 44% from the field shot 40% from three and uh, improved his uh, free throw shooting from two forty to 74% from the line. Uh, you know, one thing that I'm going to keep repeating on this podcast is he shot 31% from three from, from like, at college. Right. And, you know, watching, watching that season as a Duke fan and every time he threw up the ball, especially during Zion's injury, Every time he threw up the ball, I knew it was going to be a brick. He just did not have that in his game at all. Uh, the way they even played Duke was like kind of depressing. They just left him open and dared him to shoot at times. Mm-hmm. And it's it's beautiful to see his improvement, uh, three-point shooting. Uh, also, it looks like, you know, his trainer, Drew uh, Hanlon, is going to, you know, try to bring in more stuff into his game, such as step-back threes uh more attacking off the pick and roll just improving his handle at the end of the day because i feel like at the nba level if your handle is an elite and is are elite and you could go to any point on the court it's very lethal on the offense you can see luca with his elite handle Devin booker with his elite handle it gets anywhere like on the court and it's over if you have that i mean like just i mean you saw in the playoffs against the hawks how limited we were with players that can create their own shot and when you're in the playoffs and guys have you know a week to study your sets your plays and know where to be at the right times and you can't just like out scheme people every game that you really need players who can break down a play like that and get their own shot whenever your offense is struggling and Randall wasn't able to do it on his own so I mean like that improvement for RJ specifically his handle and just like shot creation in general, I think that is the biggest factor in him being a, a star player in the league. I mean, he's going to be a good he's, – he's proven he's going to be a good, solid wing in this league, but if he's going to be a star, he really needs to tighten up that handle. Uh, what's your expectations for year three for RJ, right? Because uh, he – pretty big leap defensively and offensively for uh, RJ with the addition of Tibbs. With another year on his belt with Tibbs, with Randall, with this whole group, uh, what do you expect from him, you know? Um, honestly, I'm not expecting as big of a leap as we saw from year one to year two because because it was such a huge leap. It was a night and day difference. But I think when we'll know a little bit more whenever we see how the roster shakes up in the offseason, but if they can do a little bit better of a job of getting – players who can spread the court and pass the ball and he can make those little incremental improvements and in handling and shot creation, then he can have a really, he can have an all-star type of year. He could be the most improved player next year, just like Julius was this year. But I mean, I don't know. That's a lot to put on a kid who's already made such a huge leap from year one to year two. And I don't think that as talented as RJ is and as like technical as he is, I don't think he has a great feel for the game yet, like a good tempo or rhythm. Yeah. I mean, he's very streaky, kind of like he can catch and shoot. He can take it to the rim and play defense. But I mean, everything else is just kind of extra right now. And he's not being asked to do those things like younger players like jaw and stuff are. But I mean, I think in time he'll become not a, a great passer but like at least be averaging three assists a game or something like that what about you what are your expectations for RJ going into the new year uh hopefully he can average at least 20 points per game uh I don't I don't expect him to shoot 40 percent from three but look 30 36 to 38 percent is my ideal range if you're shooting like three to you know two to four of them a, a game it would be uh, ideal for me. Um, he doesn't necessarily has to make the all-star team, but um, for the Knicks to have a progression from this season, they definitely need RJ to be in the conversation. Uh, feel, help him feel like, you know, he got, he definitely has to be like at least an all-star snub to me. If, if the Knicks want to improve, from what they did, and um, they want more success in the playoffs next year. Like, RJ definitely needs to be that legit second guy, which, uh, you know, he's young, but often throughout the the year, 
you know, he, he he disappeared here through there. Remember, um, that Miami when we played Miami, uh, for those two games back to back, he was kind of like a no show in those two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, those are little stretches that uh RJ can have throughout the season, and it would be uh ideal if he could like erase those and he can have he can uh put string together more of a complete uh season. That would be more ideal for me, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. For sure. Sure. Um, another question I wanted to bring up on the pod was uh, whether to preserve the cash base for 2022 or just go ahead and uh, go ahead and try to spend and try to improve the roster this offseason. Uh, notable guys that, you know, me and you have spoke about uh, Lonzo Ball is another guy that we would like to see on their roster. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, his skill set would be tremendously uh, you, uh, utilized by Tibbs in this uh, in this system. I, like, how do you feel about that whole thing? The argument back and forth, build through the draft, just keep trying to improve that way or spend the big bucks. I mean, right now in this free agent class, there's not any real star players there's players that can make your team better for sure I mean we saw that from this year's past season to the year prior where I mean just a few player adjustments you know um coming in we didn't really make too many changes to the roster but with the coaching change and players that actually spaced the court and Randall kind of coming into his own we saw a big improvement and I think if you're the Knicks and you can't come up with a legit star this offseason in a trade or, you know, by whatever method trading up in the draft, whatever like that, that you just have to kind of be, you can kind of do what they did a few years ago where you overpay people to come in on short-term deals, but you don't want to tie up your cap space for years to come. Like you said uh, before the pod, the 2022 draft class is pretty deep. 2023 class is even deeper so I mean it's hard because we exceeded all expectations this year and you want to see them build upon that but you also can't rush it and you also can't just because you were a fourth seed go out and you know sell off all your asset assets and trying to get players in here I mean you don't want to overpay. You don't want to max Norman Powell. You don't want to max John Collins or a player like that. Yeah. You want to save your cap space for a player that can truly make a difference and help Randall on a playoff series. And obviously, like the more help and talent he has around him, the easier things are going to be for him. But I don't really know if I see that guy in this free agent class besides like someone like Lowry or like someone like that. Uh, reading all some guys are going to be free agents this summer. And, you know, pretty much it's going to be a no for most of these guys right because Chris Paul and Kawhi their future are in question we don't know most likely they're going to stay looking at how the playoffs are shaping up to this date right um Conley and Lowry not really interested unless it's a short-term thing right and they could mentor our young guys mm-hmm. I'm completely out of DeMar DeRozan completely out of DeMar DeRozan completely out of Otto Porter I don't want anything to do with all the depot <laughs> I'm interested in Dragic, like I said before. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., no thank you. Schroeder, no thank you. Evan Fournier, maybe. Danny Green, maybe, right? So compared, right? Compared, check this out. Check this out, uh, Nolan. Compared to the 2022 list, right? You have Harden, you got Russ, you got Curry, you got CP, you got Beal, you got Walker, you got Butler, and you got uh, Zach Levine. <laughs> uh, Compare the talent, bro, and it's not even no comparison. Uh, uh, as far as uh, that list on 2022, I know, uh, you know, Levine, um, I'm very interested in. Beal, I'm very interested in. Um, a question that I wanted to ask you was, seeing how Booker and Donovan Mitchell, dynamic tools, uh, really dominating these playoffs, do you feel like Zach Levine and Beal could do that if they had respective teams? Honestly, especially that Zach Levine. Do you think Zach Levine could do what Donovan Mitchell's doing or Devin Booker's doing in the playoff if he had his opportunity? Um, you know, from someone who, when he first came into the league, I was really, really low on Zach Levine, and I didn't like his game much at all. And I didn't, he couldn't shoot early on in his career, and 
this past year specifically, his three ball got so much better yeah. that I think with like the athleticism he's already had and now the fact that you have to actually respect him from deep has opened things up a lot for him. And you put him on a team with other talent around him. I don't know if he can quite be like, you know, Donovan Mitchell taking over a score and averaging like 40 points a game or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, insane. But I, but I mean, he's definitely a player that can make life a lot easier for a player like Julius Randle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Even like the, like you said, like the big jump that Zach Levine had this season and uh, he hit a lot of clutch shots, you know, throughout the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. It's too bad that the Bulls never really got the opportunity to compete like they were supposed to after the, the Vucevic trade. Because I really thought like he, he could be very exciting in the playoffs. He could put up 20 and a quarter, just like that. And, you know, I just wanted to ask because that question was ringing through my mind uh, after yeah, I, mean, I got I think the pod. If you could, if you could wait for him in free agency, and have him and RJ on your wings attacking downhill with Randall too. Yeah, that's that's a lot for a defense to have to stay in front of. And and that's my in you know in an ideal world, that's my guy to put on a Knicks jersey. Like I'm not, I I like I kind of put in my brain that this Booker Beal thing is just just too unrealistic and 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 at this point there's like there's always subject to change like you know a star can come out and say he's not happy with x y and z like maybe they say they extend chris paul for like five years and he's kind of like oh that's cool for the next two but what the fuck for the next three like you know things can change in a year or two but right now i don't see booker demanding a trade out of the Suns to come here when they're having the playoff success they're having right now and uh Bradley Beal I mean I don't know if, if Russ is healthy how good are they um they lost to the Celtics which doesn't really give you a ton of confidence in that lineup but I mean you can also add pieces around that core too it's not like it's a talentless ship you saw how when Russ was healthy that they rebounded and went from being one of the worst teams in the league to actually being in a playoff series. So, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that Bill is really, really good, but I don't know if he's ready to demand a trade out of Washington yet, maybe after another year, but he just doesn't seem, he hasn't shown any inkling yet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Just reading the situation, he's Mr. DC right now and he's fully embraced that city. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's more it's like that Dame thing where it's just like he's so he's so he's so attached to that city. It's going to take it's gonna take a lot on the court for him to be like, all right, I'm done with this organization. It, it really is. And I don't see that with Zach Levine. Zach Levine already stated that he wants to win. That's why they did that Vucevic trade the way they did it. And uh I feel like Zach Levine, and, and the thing is that Zach Levine did say that he did love playing for Tibbs. I don't know if you remember him saying that in the middle of the year, but he said, I love Tibbs. Tibbs makes me work, and, and I love working, and that's what's up. But, oh, I forgot they played together earlier yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, it was that Dakota, one right? year. Yeah, it was that one year before he traded him for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah, okay, I forgot about that. That's actually interesting. Yeah, so there's a connection there. And uh, yeah, that's why right now. After if you're not if you're Zach Levine and you're not sold on Vucevic, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense to want to leave and go somewhere else after they traded away all those draft picks. And I mean, New York right now they have extra draft picks and more cap space. So I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you really it really depends on the player and what he wants, and it'll probably ultimately come down to how him and Vucevic um, play together like they mesh next year when they're playing because it didn't really go well <laughs> since the trade but Zach Levine missed time for COVID um, there were a few different injuries going on so they didn't get to play together the whole time but it wasn't a great start I think I don't think anybody in any Bulls fans are thrilled with that trade quite right now and I think yeah. And I think that the GM is on as thin an ice as there could be in the league as far as just the pieces that he needs to bring in this summer. 
around mm-hmm. Zach Levine and Vucevic. Like, this is his job to put around the best team possible. Because if he doesn't know that he's out, and Zach Levine is out, right? So, it, this that's summer, one of the teams that I think is really we're talking about, you know, preserving our cap space and not being overly aggressive. I think Chicago's put themselves in a situation where they really do have to go out and spend now because they do have to prove this year pretty much to Zach Levine that he can win here. And that's why I think players like, I think they're ultimately going to sign Lonzo Ball in free agency just because I don't think that amount of money is going to scare them off. And I don't think New Orleans will match whatever they go to offer him, but I don't want to pay Lonzo Ball whatever amount he's going to get paid by Chicago. I don't want to get in a bidding war with Chicago. 80, so 90 mil. It's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I could definitely see them handing uh, Alonzo a 80, 90 million dollar contract. And like, I mean, who up. else? If you're, if you have to get better this season, who else are you spending that cap on right now? Yeah. 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 No, no, you have a, you have an excellent point for sure. Especially if you're trying to sell them on like the future of that franchise. You don't want to sign like a Kyle Lowry or someone who's like a <laughs> short term deal. You know what I mean? You want to yeah. sell them on your future here. We want you to be here. Not just capitalize on like it's not like a Kawhi Leonard situation in Toronto where you need to go all in on winning that one year or anything. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, switching things off uh, from the Knicks talk to the NBA, uh, another dynamic two guard that has just been tearing it up in the playoffs, man. The, shout out to Devin Booker for seeing his first uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, man, like. His first time in the playoffs to reach such a height, can't be proud of, can't be more proud of him. And uh, also, like, you know, before, you know, the past years, they've always said, like, Devin Booker, like, you know, he's not a winning player. He doesn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, all the rumors that we heard throughout the past years. And he's showing that, no, I can't be that guy. I can't drop these numbers in the playoff. And and I can be unstoppable. Dropping 27 points, six assists, four rebounds shooting 37% from the three, shooting 48% from the field goal range, 91% from, from the free throw line. Man, to me, this Suns team, it feels like a finals run. It feels like a finals run when I watch them, how they dominate guys. Nolan, are they going to the finals? Um, the conference finals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no... It's going to be interesting yeah. who comes out of this Clippers series because I really think that the Clippers are the most talented team left in the West, but that the Suns are a more well-constructed team, better put together, like the pieces fit a little bit better, where you're kind of just like matching talent around talent and like trying to see what works even though the spacing isn't ideal for the Clippers but I mean the Clippers you've seen they've gone down 0-2 in both series so far so like they're far from making you super confident that they're gonna run away with any playoff series or especially when the Sun just swept their round but I mean right now if I had to pick I'm still sticking with the Clippers. Where do you? Are you still on the Clippers bandwagon, or are you switching over to the Suns? Oh no, I'm still driving that Clippers bandwagon <laughs> to the to the moon, man. We're, 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 no, but the Suns are definitely intriguing, man. It's definitely exciting to see the Suns uh, play wonderful basketball. Oh, um, yeah. I expected them. I mean, I don't think anybody expected this from them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, the 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 jump that Aiden had uh, showed me on, in this series defensively. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, you know, we can't, we, we've been harping on the, their wings, uh, Mikel, Jay, and uh, Cam all season long. We we love those wings. But, man, I don't know. It feels like a finals run to me. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they do. Um, but, you know. I'd be yo- happy for Chris Paul, man. I really would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, shout out to Chris Paul because, yeah, Chris Paul, you know, this is his second Western Conference Finals. He kind of scared me with that shoulder injury, but it seemed like, you know, yeah, he's ready. One of those things is going to be like, oh, man, it happened to him again. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fight us again, just like against Houston. But 
Yeah, but he bounced back in this in, in this round and he played really well. Defensively, he played really well. Uh he really took advantage of those guards. They couldn't like Denver's guards, they were at his will. Uh him and Booker, like Capazzo, Monte Morris, like all those guys, you know. You know, talking about Denver, what happened to Aaron Gordon? What happened to Aaron Gordon, bro? Uh, were you ever really that sold on Aaron Gordon? Bro, I need I need some production, man. You cannot be giving me like four points a game and expect me expect me to win, man. Come on. That's like, why I mean that's kind of why I questioned that move at the trade deadline in the first place. Like it seemed like a good fit whenever the pieces went together in the regular season and everything, but I'm just not sold on Aaron Gordon being like he can't be a second or third option on your team, I don't think. And I mean, it just it's gonna be tough for them and not having uh the right their guards playing and everything, it's gonna be tough for Jokic to carry that. Yeah, man, because when you got uh Gordon giving you basically nothing, you got Porter dealing with a back injury, he's giving you nothing. You got Barton coming back from an ankle injury, which he's been struggling with the whole year. He's he's you know, he's gonna give you minimum production. Man, Capazzo's not giving you anything on the offensive end, <laughs> bro. He's literally like it's Jokic versus them on the offensive team on the offensive end on the on the, of the ball. And yeah, Jokic uh, is good. He's the MVP. And yeah. he's kept some games, but I mean, shit. it's too much, bro. It's too much. And I, I wanted to ask you about that ejection. How do you uh, feel about that ejection, bro? Because a lot of mixed thoughts. I I might be in the minority with this one, but I want to hear what you guys say. I think you have to, like, if you're a ref, you have to have some context of the fact that it's an elimination game there and your expectations. Like, I mean, you can't eject the MVP of the league for that call. I just thought it was – I thought it was ridiculous. I know that's the way the league's going now, trending toward just, like, player safety regardless of intent. But I just didn't think there was enough there. You said you're in the minority, so I'm guessing you think that they should have got there or not? Look, I think this is a bigger issue. than It's more about how the game is officiated. I think the game is officiated so soft nowadays. It's nothing like how what I grew up on in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. But the, the, thing that, the thing to me about it is when he winded up, he did hit, he did hit his face. And... And the rules are the rules. I understand, like, the context of, like, where it was and everything. But, look, the rules are the rules. And that's how they've been officiating, you know, the, the, the game like this for past two years, right? So I feel like just because, you know, just because of the situation, it is what it is. You shouldn't have done that. I think that it's a more of a bigger issue about how the refs officiate the game in general, in general. Definitely. It's yeah, just I mean, too it's soft. Trend. Right? It's not like it's one bad call. Yeah, yeah. These are this is the way that they're ruling these calls now. And I think it's a problem. Like I don't like you said, I mean, it's the way the game is being called now. And you can argue it's for player safety, but when you're in a playoff game and just traditionally, like the playoffs have always been just like a step up level of intensity on the defensive end, especially that. I think you got to give guys some leeway there because I don't think that he had any ill intent on that play. No, no. He was, he was going for the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He didn't have no intent. I, bro, the intent doesn't matter. You did what you did. To me, I don't know. The rules are the rules. I'm not saying it's correct or incorrect, but I'm just saying, like, the rules are the rules, and he did. He he went against the rules. So you got to get kicked yeah. out, bro. Like, yeah. that's just how it is. Like, like. People were like, I'm not saying you, but on Twitter, people were just arguing like the little things. I'm like, bro, the rules are the rules. We need to have a bigger conversation about this. It's not yeah. about he didn't have intent, like, bro. We need to have a bigger conversation about this. That's how I felt. Yeah, I mean, you you can take this one example of it on the big stage and say this is a problem and make it all about this one game, or you like you said, you can take it, look at it in the bigger picture of this is the way that the game is being called now. And do we agree with this being the right interpretation of this rule? Yes, yes. I think that's the biggest distinction people need to make because some people are out there 
saying no under the rules like that's not a foul it's not a tech blah 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 it's like well no under the rules like you said this, this is technically a technical <laughs> like i mean that's what the rule is and it's the way it's written for a reason but i think that players don't like it i don't think fans like it and well players might like it actually just because if it's them getting hit in the head <laughs> they might be a little friendlier to it but i mean i don't know i don't think it's I think in an elimination game like that, you gotta, like I said, there's just gotta be some context and like level of like human interpretation in foul calls like that, that result in such a big change in an elimination game in the playoffs. And also, you know, Jokic needs to take, a, uh, he did, he did take accountability, but um, just that accountability apart, like, bro, you're eight, you're eight point, like literally eight points. You know, you're a runaway from being right into the game, avoid elimination, go back to Phoenix, you know, survive for another day. And just the frustration just got to him. And it's carrying the load. Yeah. Without Murray, he's really got to him and wore him down. Yeah, man. Again, again, we say this all the time. Denver had a chance at the final. And it's unfortunate that Murray went down, bro. Like, as soon as that injury happened, we were both just like, Damn, like damn, they were right there. We saw it. Yeah, it would have been an inch. I wonder how many games do you think they win? Uh, Denver wins in this series if they have. Bro, they beat them. You think? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, is Murray the player we saw in the bubble last year, or is he the player that he's been pretty much all year this year? This year he hasn't been great. And. I mean, we can see, but some of these players have held up from the bubble. Some of these players haven't. So, I mean, like, it's a real question to me. I mean, I think maybe they win two games. I don't. I still think they lose the series, though. Bro, you got to remember the momentum they was on before Jamal Murray went down, bro. Like, they oh, was yeah. playing but no, at but it. They kept up that momentum pretty well without him, too. But then they had a hard but, – but but you saw the difference when they actually got into an actual war with a team that they that Jokic couldn't just run through by himself. Mm-hmm. I think Jamal Murray's impact on the team is just – it's further than the numbers because the way that Jokic gets to play – uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have to focus on being the initiate, the initiator, the engine, twenty four seven, like he does when he's by himself. I think Jamal Murray has the opportunity to hit clutch shots on the perimeter that nobody on their team uh, can capably do. Nervous, yeah, yeah, on a consistent <laughs> basis. Like Jamal Murray is, you know, a killer at the end of the game. Like you know, I want the ball in his hands. Like he'll make the clutch shots. You know, he'll. Uh, he's a killer in that sense. So I think they missed him. I miss, I think they missed him. I think they missed his leadership. And uh, Jamal Murray is a plus defender. You know, there's there's, there's a reason why Denver, yeah, there's, there's a reason why Denver's been a top defensive team throughout the years. Yeah, it's just very unfortunate. Uh, some of the free agents that uh, that Denver is going to be, they're, they're going to look maybe to get new contracts, maybe stay, we don't know. Uh, Millsap, Barton, and Jermichael Green. Uh, through three of those guys played uh decent minutes and were in the rotation all year. Uh, do you feel like they retain any of those guys, or maybe they look to get some fresh some fresh meat in there with Jokic? Um, honestly, I haven't really looked too much at their cap situation to know how much space they'll really have. I mean, it's not much. They have they, they have a few dollars because, you know, remember Murray and uh, Jokic, they're on max contracts now, so. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a, I don't know if there's really that many pieces out there this offseason to go get. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought this team back for the most part and just tried running it back with a healthy Murray and see what happens. Yeah, All right, we'll see. We'll Do you see. see them going after anyone? Looking at the free agent list, right? Um, some of the guys that I feel like could be uh, real impact guys. Uh, coming off the bench, if Dennis Schroeder could accept his role off the bench, that would be a dope fit. Uh, Gordon Dragic, if he could. Because I feel like I, I love Capazzo. I love Capazzo. But because maybe because he's like 5'9", he's like fighting out there and I see the hustle. I'm like, I respect it. But. 
he's very, very limited on, on offense. And I feel like if they could if they could get like another guard, like an upgrade of Austin Rivers, maybe an upgrade of Monty Morris, because Monty Morris is a dog. But if they could get like another guard in there who could take off some of that ball handling responsibility. Who do you think they're Who's that guy out there? Probably Gordon Dragic. Yeah. I'll Gordon Dragic. Yeah. 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 He's older now though. He's like what like 35. 30, does it really 80? matter though with that team? Because they're oh, no, he's not now. playing that minutes or anything, but he's old, man. He's older than I thought he was. I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, this this free agent class is pretty sorry, bro. So if, there's not a lot of guys, but th- with the cap space they got. I would definitely like to see them, you know, a uh, short-term deal with Gordon Dragic, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, next series uh, I wanted to talk about was the Clippers in Utah, man. Uh, dope series. have been uh, amazing to watch. Uh, the Clippers even out the series. Uh, a guy has been turning up at home, man. A guy that we threw dirt on in the last pod, but I guess he heard of, like, other people do and decided, you know what, we're going to show the corner three. What's up? Hey, Paul George. Paul George has been hooping these last two games, uh, shooting 31, uh, putting up 31 points, six assists, four rebounds, shooting 47% from the field. And guess, and, and, and look at this note. He's shooting 50% from three, bro. Like he has been on fire, on target, uh, playing great defense. Man, what's your thoughts, man? What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, right now in this series, I was looking at the stats right before this game, and for this series, the Kawhi and PG are both averaging about 27 points. Kawhi's at seven and a half rebounds, PG 13's at eight. Kawhi's at about four assists, and PG 13's at 4.3. So, yeah. I mean, like, they're playing, they're both playing phenomenal. But then you look at Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> and I think he's as averaging 37, 4, and 4.5 assists in the series. Yep, yep. That's just insane from one guy. And I know when you have Kawhi and PG that they're both asked to do less, so they don't have to put up a monster game like that every game to stay in the series. But I guess I'm, I've been impressed with how well Donovan Mitchell has played up to the moment. And while I still think the Clippers are the deeper team and just having two stars like that is ultimately going to be what separates them, that you're seeing that the depth of the Jazz is a little is, – is becoming – is an issue for the Clippers who, while they're deep, like I said, I just really don't think the pieces fit all that well together on that roster. No, no, for sure, for sure. And, you know – like Mitchell has been playing amazing. Like the offensive game, the repertoire, man. He is, he is, man. The tools in the tool bag are coming out, man. Like the step back three, the off the pick and roll, finishing off the glass over a zoo bag, over 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 Kawhi. The you know the reads that he's getting off the double team, man. But you know the thing about uh, Utah, you know the thing, a golden rule in in, in the NBA that I've always believed is. Role players play better at home and playoff series, and I 100% agree with that. And you could see that in this series, uh, the combination of uh, Ingles and Royce O'Neal and George Niang—they're they're struggling offensively to find a three-point shot. Well, that wasn't the case in Salt Lake City. I think that's a big factor in uh, them dropping two games. I, Mitchell needs more help if they're going to be more competitive, like he did get, like, in Salt Lake. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, Mitchell averaging 37 is amazing, especially, like, people were saying, like, Kawhi and PG are probably the best wing-defending tandem since Pippen and Jordan. Yeah. And him being able to get whatever, whenever he wants. After Luca was able to get whatever, whenever he wanted. Yeah, yeah, man. But shout out to the young guys, man. The league is in great hands, man. This playoffs yeah. has really shown the young guys and how they've just been exploding, exploding. Um, as far as you know, the the future of this series, who do you got taking it tonight? Because man, they're back. I mean, tomorrow night, yeah, because they're going back to Salt Lake, and PG has notoriously struggled. In Salt Lake, like I said in the last pod, he's always struggling in Salt Lake. 
I don't know if it's the crowd. I don't know, but it looks like he's back on fire. Do you expect the production from PG to keep throwing through? Because that is key. Oh, yeah. I, I, I see him keeping it up. I mean, I think it's going to be kind of similar to the Dallas series in that Paul George kind of played well late in that series. Both him and Leonard struggled early on going down 0-2. It might go seven games again. It really might. But I tonight, I think I'm still going with the Clippers just because my heart tells me that they're still the better team, have the highest ceiling at least. Um, but it's really a close call. What's your call on the next game? Um, yeah, so game five, man. Game five. Oh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so tomorrow night, I definitely see – uh, the Clippers just pulling this out through. I definitely see Kawhi. Kawhi's do. I know Kawhi's has had a monster series, but I'm waiting for that monster, monster game when he drops like 45. And I think on the road when role players, like I said, role players don't play as well. I feel like uh, definitely a 40 point game has to be due because uh, Kawhi's just been unstoppable in the mid range. Like his mid range game, boy. You don't know when he's going to rise up. Like, he hits you with that two dribble between the legs, like that boom, boom, boom. And he'll, he'll, and he'll just rise up. And he's like 6'8", big, strong. You can't really do anything. Everybody. Yeah, man. And you saw how uh, he dunked on favors? Oh, it was dirty. <laughs> oh, that is one of the best dunks this year. And it was even, yeah, man. He did. He, bro, if you look at all Kawhi's posters, he doesn't jump that high. He's just going up strong as fuck and you can't hold, you can't you can't do anything about that once he's up in your chest and he has that ball cocked back bro you, you're not blocking that shot got them meaty claw paws out there cramming on people yeah man and i like the one with the, the last series and and uh paul joy morris and, and Kawhi all yelling at him that was pretty dope that was pretty oh, dope. yeah 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 at kleba uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty dope. Pretty dope. Yeah, uh, moving on to the East, man, because the East been having just as insane series as there is in the West. Because the Nets and the Bucks, man, they're at war right now. Which I, I was hopefully because I really wanted. I remember telling you before this uh, series even began, man. I hope this is a, a historically great series. Just the context behind it, the players behind it. Everything, everything, and uh, a guy that we were really ragging on <laughs> to last pod, he definitely heard us before the episode even released. He heard us. Uh, Middleton, Middleton putting up 27 points, you know, nine and four, shooting 47% from the field, shooting 42% from three when he was shooting like 20, 20 something percent, you know, on the road, on the road. Man, with Kyrie out, Harden coming back from a hamstring injury, we don't know how he's going to be. Did the Bucks flip the switch or KD is going to will them back, man? How do you feel? Honestly, after the first two games, we both said, I really expected Brooklyn to run away with this. Yeah, yeah. But then, And then coming into today, thinking it might just be KD and not really knowing what we're going to get from Harden, I still think KD and Harden at like, 70% is probably enough to win at home. But I, Milwaukee is making me really second guess myself because they have life that I didn't think they had. And their role players, like you said, have been playing better at home. And no series is over until a team loses at home. So, I mean, I think that the buck probably lose tonight but i'm impressed at the fact that they bounced back the way they have in games three and four nah yeah man yeah but you know the Kyrie injury was man, how did you feel about that Kyrie injury because as soon as he went down the flip changed completely remember he was tearing it up before he even like left the game he was like i believe he had like double-digit points at that point. He was shooting an excellent percentage from the field. And as soon as he went down, everybody, including Milwaukee, a, uh, a light bulb switched on their head, and it was like, yo, we got to take this opportunity right now. Um, 
PJ Tucker's been playing uh, dope defense, making it really hard on KD. I know nobody's going to lock down KD, but he's made it extremely tough. Even had Nash complaining, right, about it's like borderline non-basketball. Uh, <laughs> I mean, PJ Tucker's been doing this for years. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I was um, skeptical of when they brought PJ Tucker in. Just, I mean, I know he's a good defender and everything. I always thought he was a little overrated on Houston. But um, like you said, he's making KD work. And you can call it dirty. You can call it like playoff intensity. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It's, it's proving valuable in the playoffs. And you're seeing, especially with Drew Holiday there this year, that they're better equipped now that Kyrie's down to defend players. And that if you put Drew on I guess Harden this game at 70% that you can feel at least pretty comfortable with that matchup and I mean I don't know I want to see I want to see Brooklyn play I want to see their role player stuff I'd love to see like Joe Harris have a big game or something like that Mike James yeah yeah but um Milwaukee's gonna be tough to beat they they're healthy and uh, Brooklyn isn't. And it can really be as simple as that sometimes. And they could really swing this series in their favor if they're able to win three in a row. Yeah, man. And uh, shout out to uh, Bobby Porter for playing well the last two games. And it's funny, right? Because when he was on the Knicks, I absolutely hated him. I thought he was like the ultimate black hole. Once he touched the ball, nobody else was getting it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's definitely played well in that system. Definitely gave them a spark the last two games. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I see a thing about PJ Tucker. Um, I don't know about if PJ Tucker was overrated. I, I, I liked him in Houston. I liked his role a lot. I think they did him dirty. In my opinion, I, I really think they did him dirty because they made it like he they was he was supposed to get paid like two seasons ago, and it never happened. And no, I mean, they added more responsibility. But bro, they put so much responsibility on him, and then they made him play center. Yeah, right. And then they wonder why the relationship was so fra- like you know by Harden. Like, bro, you're not taking care of our guys that's been here for for a while. I understand you don't want to give uh, PJ Tucker a, a huge deal, but come on, like three years, twenty million dollars gonna hurt you? Yeah, I mean, you probably should got more money, but I mean, they dealt them and. He's doing what he's doing. He's still doing it well. So, I mean, shouts to him for that. But I went one of my books. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, nah. I, I, I get it. I, I get it. But um, yeah. then the next series, the next series has just tables have turned, man. Tables have turned. Philly, Atlanta's been able to even up the series. Uh, Embiid's, like I said, Embiid's been nuclear, 30, 13, 4. But, you know, in game four, we saw the knees just give out and he wasn't able to score in the second half. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah, some foul shots. I don't think he made a bucket, though. Bro, he was – Capella looked like Hakeem in the second half. He looked like – bro, he looked yeah. like he, he couldn't get by. He was destroying him. Capella looked so small to him, and, except for those last two quarters, man. And B did something that he hasn't really done a lot of this year that I think was like very telling in terms of his injury in that he was settling for jump shots and threes rather than getting into the post and just, you know, physically like dominating people. Yeah. yeah. You could see that he was looking to like kind of just, oh, this is a three-point shot. I can make that shot. I'll put this up because I, you know, don't want to be banging in the paint for this entire game. And yeah. that's fine when they go in and, He's made a few of them this season, but that second half, he went really cold. That's like, since he's been in the league, I don't think Joel Embiid's had a half of basketball healthy, or at least he's been on the court that he's played that's been as bad as that second half was. So, I mean, it's concerning just because I know they have two days off here, but MCL tears don't usually get better. (laughs) <laughs> like playing I think it's a 35 minutes a game or meniscus yeah yeah um but I don't know man 
I I still think that with the two days off, Billy probably wins his next game and then finishes it off in game six. But um, the Hawks proved last game that you can't count them out. Players like we were talking about before the pod a little bit, like Bogdan, is up from 14.4 assists in the series against the Knicks, up to 19 points now. Um, Trey's putting up 27 and averaging like 12, 11.8 assists. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he's he's still drawing a lot, but I mean, Bede's just been dominant, you know, averaging 13 or 30 and 13. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy how much health becomes a factor in the postseason. And it's such a shame because some of these teams, like, you just wish you could see them play at full strength. But I mean, that's just how the playoffs go and that games come when they're ready. And if you're not ready for them, another team's not going to feel sorry for you. So it's, it's unfortunate because I think that healthy, the Sixers beat the Hawks in six games, but and they still might, but um, it's they're Atlanta's proven a lot tougher than I thought they were coming into the postseason. I'll tell you that much. No, yeah, for sure. Is it just me or is Embiid on the floor like every other play? I feel like there's, I feel like they there's, they're out a lot. No, no, I'm talking about like on the floor floor. Like he's falling on the floor oh, like every right, other yeah, play. Yeah. No, no, that, that's what I mean, bro. Like the banging, man, they're really giving it to Embiid. Uh, I, I, what? Him and Trey Young both were like trying to get fouls the entire last game. It yeah. was super frustrating to watch. I mean, I know Embiid was struggling with his shots, so that's probably part of it too. But just watching those two like try to draw fouls and throw up these wild shots was a little frustrating from a fan's perspective. Yeah, and, and I couldn't agree with you more on uh, – he definitely settled within the floor of the offense with the three. Uh, they are definitely in game four. He shot way too many threes, man. And instead of, like, you know, going on the block like he usually does, he definitely uh, was a little bit more reliant on that three-point ball, which was just not going in at all. Uh, Tobias Harris uh, – and the second half was uh, was a no show. They really needed his perimeter game. Uh, Simmons was there defensively, but we know what he's gonna give you offensively because he doesn't have a jump shot. But the we know Thibel, we know Green Green is out with Thibel. He's he's just gonna be there defensively. There's not a lot of guys, you know. Shake Milton was struggled a lot. Yeah, I I don't know if Embiid's not going to. Be a hundred if he's gonna play like he did in the second half in game five, that's gonna be problems because I don't trust Tobias Harris. I never was a big fan of Tobias Harris, especially for the contract uh Philly gave him. I think that was uh one of the a bigger overpay than what Chris Middleton yeah. got. They maxed it, yeah, they maxed him out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, man. And shout out the Hawks, you know, John Collins came alive in the second half. I thought he was an X factor, his energy. What uh what Embiid facing the health problems he had, his energy was very infectious with the team and was very needed in that second half. He had a few putbacks. Uh Bogdan was hitting big shots. Uh, man, his playoffs. Uh, I barely watched any Kings games in the past. So I, I understood that he was a good player, but I didn't know he was this good. Like, damn, like homie is homie is about that life. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> homie's about that life, man. Uh yeah, man. I and shout out to Trey Young for keep attacking the the basket. Uh, you know, you know Trey Young's celebration. You know, it's cold in here. The the ice tray after he yeah. shoots. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorite celebrations in the league. I, and I've been a fan of Trey Young since Oklahoma, and I, ever since he got to Atlanta, he's been doing that. I, I think that's one of the most creative, one of the most dopest things in the league. That uh, the ice tray shit. That shit is cool. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Um. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. I think the absence of uh, DeAndre Hunter uh, will affect them in the future. I think his versatility, him being a- him being able to average 16 to 15 a game and play pretty good one-on-one defense, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. I think he's a big, huge part of their team. But they did have wings like Herder, 
you know, we we spoke about how Herder Gallo, you know, they've been stepping up as far as well. Uh yeah, I mean, as far as Tobias Harris, how do you feel like, you know, his impact on game five will be or should be because, you know, he's kind of key? I mean, I think if you're getting paid as much as he's getting paid, he has to really step up. But that being said, like, being a power forward like that, he's not really – he can make tough shots and he can, you know, post people up, hit threes, but he's not really great at creating his own shot. Simmons doesn't really have a shot to create for. So, I mean, a lot of the offensive burden really is still left on Joel. And I think going into the series, I thought that Philly's bench and depth were just a whole lot better than Atlanta's depth. And Atlanta's depth is proving that they're pretty good too. I still think that Philly has the edge, like I said, but I think Tobias Harris really needs to – come out and average at least, you know, 25 points a game if they're going to – or Embiid has to look like the player he did for the first few games of the series. Otherwise, they're going to be in some serious trouble. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, before, we, before we end this pod, uh, no predictions for Game 5 for Philly and, and Hawks. I definitely got – Hopefully, I definitely, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna say the Hawks got Game Five, and and they're gonna put, they're gonna, you know, put the put Philly on their heels, and definitely force MB to 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 go all out in in the next few games. How about you? Um, I'm gonna say two days off helps MB and they bounce back, but that Atlanta probably wins the next game. So I mean, either way, I think it's going going distance. For sure, for sure. All right, so that's going to be an end of the episode of The Corner 3. Make sure to follow me and Nolan on Twitter. Make sure to follow The Corner 3 pod on Twitter as well. We're going to have – make sure to go on the website and listen to all our episodes. We have all our episodes on there as well. And upcoming articles from Nolan. Nolan is working on an epic draft piece for us, for us Knicks fans, and, you know, breaking down the prospects and should we trade up, should we stay – breakdown of all the prospects it should be dope nolan's working very hard on it. it should be dope and yeah we'll catch you guys next episode